Well, Harvest, it, uh, it is just a joy and a delight to uh, be able to have Buddy uh, here today. And I want to just take a minute to introduce Buddy. A um, couple things about Buddy that I think would be good for you to know. Uh, number one, Buddy is a man's man. Um, he has uh, served in his uh, Texas for about 15 years as a policeman in the narcotics force. Um, and just the experience that brings in serving in his community and working with people is something that uh, I admire and have appreciated about him. Secondly, uh, Buddy had the opportunity in 2006 and 2007 to go over to Iraq and be involved with uh, training Iraqis uh, into the police force there and uh, has an international experience uh, and a ministry opportunity that came out, came out of that in various ways that is just very, very special. Uh, so Buddy's a man's man, but Buddy is also, uh, along with that, Buddy is a friend of mine, and I've uh, just so appreciated him over the years. He and his wife, Maureen, uh, were used to plant a harvest in Houston, Texas. Um, he was the planting pastor there, and I uh, was there for a number of years, and then just within about the last year, uh, made a move up to Chicago area to be helping out with some of their soul care uh, development and training. And raising more and more disciple makers for Christ in Chicago. And I just admire his flexibility of being used by the Lord to go to various places and to do various things. The last thing I'll mention is Buddy loves. Uh, You can be a man's man and love. And that means you can love God's word, and he does. You can love God's people, and he does. And you can also love helping people beyond just informing them of information. And I have been uh, just, it's been a joy for me over the years to personally be able to be around Buddy and watch his love for God's word be displayed and showed out uh, just in their life. It exudes from them. Uh, Third thing I really appreciate about Buddy is he is a Texan. And not that I'm from Texas or anything, but I know there's just something cool about a Texas drawl and a Texas voice. And so he brings that here along with his Texas truck and uh, we're just honored to have him. Now, on your part, I think one of the ways that you could help Buddy get started here is by doing this. Grab your Bible. Uh, Bible's out on your lap. Uh, if you can grab your update and turn to the last page where there's sermon notes that are there, grab a pencil, grab a pen, and be in the position of ready to hear God's word, right? And that would be an encouragement for Buddy to know that God's people are ready to hear the word, take it in, and absorb it. So, Buddy, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is a joy to be here. Um, I'm sorry that you're stuck with me and not the guy he introduced, but we'll get past all that. So it, uh, it is a, it's a pleasure to be here. I, as Doug said, we have uh, known each other for a lot of years now. I love Doug and Karen and uh, it's, uh, I was thrilled. I told him, I said, the next time you ask me to come preach, if there is a next, that's pretty assumptuous, pretty presumptuous, isn't it? Yeah, if there's a next time that you ask me to come and preach, you can't ask me four months before you, I get to preach because I've been waiting. So, oh man, I get to go to India. I get to go to India. You know? so I've been waiting to get here. So it's a joy to be here. And, uh, I'm thank, thank you, Doug, for not pushing the start button when you were talking and I get all of the time, right? I told the first service, I said, you know what it means when the preacher has his clock up here and all that? Nothing? Okay. So make sure we're all on the same page. Take your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 1. 
Uh, we're going to be uh, talking today about uh, how we see God, our view of God. And uh, while you're getting there, I want you to think about something just for a minute. What does it mean to you when you hear the words above and beyond? What is, what's that conjure up in your head? Being uh, a retired police officer and, and serving in Iraq, you know, I have this, this I, I connect above and beyond to duty. You know, you hear the words above and beyond the call. And I know guys who have gotten medals and awards for, for things that they did where they went above and beyond what was expected or required of them. But I want us to think today about above and beyond as it relates to uh, our view of God and who he is and what he does. Here's a definition, uh, the dictionary definition of above and beyond. Let me share some of these with you. There's about six of them here. Uh, the first one is higher than or over something. More or greater than something in quantity or degree. Higher or superior to someone in rank, importance, or ability. I like this one. Too good or great for a specified thing. Too good, respected, etc. to be affected by or subject to something. And then this last one is my favorite. Too difficult to be understood by or beyond the abilities of someone. Think about that for a minute. It's higher than, it's more or greater than, it's higher or superior to, it's too good, too great, too respected, too difficult to be understood and beyond our abilities. So when you think about God and how we view him, I want to spend a little time today as we go into the new year talking to you about how we view God and what the biblical view of God is. Uh, because I believe that seeing God in all of his glory and all of his majesty and in all of his splendor leads us to a place where everything in our life begins to change. Everything in our life is different when we see God as who he truly is. As a, as a counseling pastor and the soul care pastor at Rolling Meadows, I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of people and uh, who are struggling with different things going on in their lives. But one of the things that I've found to be most common with folks who are coming in who are struggling with life is their view of God is in the basement. They just don't have a very high view of God. And as uh, I shared with the first service, when we're singing songs about battles raging and, and putting our faith and our trust in him and my soul belongs to him, listen, we don't want to put our faith and trust and give our soul to somebody who's really pretty weak in our eyes. And that's where a lot of people get into these struggles. And so I want to spend some time this morning just talking to you about Ezekiel's view of God because I believe if we get this correct view of God, then uh, when we go to him and talk to him in prayer, uh, when we worship him, uh, there's a difference in us in the way we see him. So look with me at Ezekiel chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm going to kind of jump into a lot of places in Ezekiel 1, but I really want to focus today on just verses 22 through 28, the end of the chapter. Starting in verse 22, he says, Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse their wings were stretched out straight one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads when they stood still and let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. 
and upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that we get to go and, and, and see in your word a vision of you that helps us to know you better. So God, this morning, would you take these words from the pages and put them in our hearts? And Lord, we don't want to just have them sit there and do nothing with us. But Lord, we want them to be applied deep in our hearts and applied to our lives on a day-to-day basis. So God, would you help us to see what we do with what we see and hear and know about you? In Jesus' name, amen. So let me uh, share just a few things that uh, I, I jotted down as I looked through this and studied this, talking about the glory of God. And, I, and this is the first thing. Write this down. The glory of God is above and beyond all living creatures. The glory of God is above and beyond all living creatures. Now, when we think of, of living creatures, we think of things like birds and puppies and kittens and, and uh, you know, little calves or baby deer. Or if you're a manly man, you think of lions and cheetahs and bears and elephants, Right? You know, but, but we have these visions in our head. But I want you to look at these living creatures that Ezekiel was looking at. Ezekiel was looking at creatures who in verse 5 said they have a human appearance, but they had four faces. They had a human face and a lion face and an ox face and an eagle face. They got straight legs, hooves like calves. It's starting to get pretty weird looking, isn't it? They sparkle. Under their wings, they have human hands. Two of their wings reach out and touch the wings of the next creature, and two wings cover their, body, cover their bodies. They're, they're, they appear like burning coals of fire. They're like torches that, as they move around. And the fire's really, really bright. And, and here's one, and lightning shoots out from them. This is starting to get cool. It's like, man... Think about these creatures that he's looking at. They move like lightning, like a flash. And so as Ezekiel is looking at this, he's seeing these creatures that are, I don't know about you, I have never seen anything like that, even in Texas. And we pretty much got it all in Texas, right? You know, but, but here's Ezekiel, and he sees these living creatures that are seriously amazing creatures. And verse 22 says, over the heads of, above and beyond these living creatures, there's this expanse. There's this great, awe-inspiring expanse. There's, there's this, he says it's crystal-like, it's this crystal-like expanse, and it's, and it's heaven. So Ezekiel is now, he sees these creatures, and above the creatures he sees heaven, the elders saw this in, in uh, Exodus 24.10. The elders said, it says, They saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. So I'm, I'm thinking about this, and as I was reading this, I was thinking about a few years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Alaska and spend a, a couple of weeks there with some friends in uh, Homer. And their house set up on a hill, and it overlooked the, uh, the bay there and the, and the spit in Homer. 
And right across the bay was this glacier that came down and emptied into the bay. And I would get my coffee in the morning. I'm not sure how morning happened because there was like four hours of darkness. So, you know, but we, I'd get my coffee in what I thought was morning. And I would go out there and I'd sit on the front porch and I'd just look at this glacier. It was the most amazing crystal blue that I'd ever seen in my life. I just, I would sit there for two or three hours and just look at this glacier. Glaciers don't do much, Okay. They just kind of, they, they tell me they're moving, but I didn't see anything. But, but I just, I was marveling at this blue. And I imagined as Ezekiel is looking at this expanse, this blue crystal heaven. And I'm going, man, what kind of blue? What kind of crystal? What kind of clearness? What, what does that look like? This word expanse is the same word from Genesis where we see that God created heaven. In Genesis 1, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. So now we see Ezekiel. He's got these creatures that are amazing creatures. Above them is this expanse called heaven. Now look at the creatures. The creatures' wings are stretched out there under the expanse. They, they reach out and they touch the next one. And it's almost like they're holding this up. But I don't think so. I don't think heaven needs anything to support it. Amen? You know? So if they're not holding it up, then what are they doing? I'm thinking they're like pointing to it. Look here. Look at this. You know, put your focus here. Set your gaze here. Get your eyes on this. You, these creatures that, that are magnificent-looking creatures, their faces are an ox and a lion and an eagle and a human. Uh, they all, they're, they're splendid examples of dignity and power and grace and strength. They also have great significance in Scripture. Uh, the Bible says that, that uh, in Genesis that God placed two of these creatures with flaming swords to guard the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. It says, that, uh, it says in, in uh, Psalm 18 that the Lord rides on one of these creatures as he moves about in heaven. The, these creatures were the, the ones who supported and flanked the throne the, the, and covered the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. They're carved on the walls of, of the temple in Jerusalem when they build the temple there. These, are, these, are, uh, these creatures have great significance. But what we see here is, is that Ezekiel's looking above and beyond them. The glory of God's above and beyond this. And, and I, I want you to think about for me just a little bit today, I want you to think about, get in your head, what is this, what's the most beautiful creature that you know? What's the most beautiful creature that you can get in your head? I'm always trying to use teaching moments as I preach, and so I, I want to give you guys a notice that not everybody took advantage of that. So guys, this is for bonus points for you. When I say, think of the most beautiful creature that you can imagine, that's when you look and say, that would be you, sweetie. Okay? Do you want me to give you another shot at that? Think of the most beautiful creature that you can imagine. Yeah, that's better. That's better. So, um, listen, no matter what we can get this picture of, no matter what this creature is that we can imagine is the most beautiful creature that we can come up with, the glory of God's above and beyond that. It's greater than, it's, it's more than, it's superior to that. God's above and beyond all of them. God's more glorious, God's more powerful, God's, God's more beautiful than any of these creatures that Ezekiel saw. And they know it and they point to his glory. God's above and beyond, the glory of God's above and beyond all living creatures. 
all living creatures. Are you getting, starting to get a picture of this? He's, he's pretty amazing. How about this one? I write this one down. The glory of God is above and beyond all noise. He's above and beyond all noise. Verse 24 says, When they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, like the sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. There's lots of noise going on in, in, in this vision that Ezekiel has. They're moving all around. And mind you, in verse 9, it says it's graceful movement. Verse 9 says each of them went straight forward without turning as they went. But they're making a lot of noise, and there's this huge roar as they, as they move all around. But then I love this. He says, but when they stand still, they let down their wings. They stand still, and they let down their wings. And here's what's cool. God speaks. Verse 25, it says, a voice comes from the expanse. Where, church? Over their heads. Above and beyond these creatures, above and beyond, beyond the noise, God speaks. But notice, he's not talking over them. God's not yelling over all of the racket. God waits. He speaks when they stop and let down their wings. Look, here's the deal. We need to stop running around and darting to and fro and trying to take care of all the business of the world and listen to what God has to say. We need to hear God's voice. So many of the people that come in and talk to me about the struggles they're going through, one of the things I hear from them is, well, God just doesn't speak to me anymore. God's just not talking to me. And I look at what's going on in their lives and go, no wonder. You haven't stopped and quit flapping your wings for a while. You know, we need, to, we need the cares of the world, the ringing phones, the, the television noise, the school projects that have to be done, the emails that have to be sent, the text messages that need to be taken care of, the phone calls that we need to make. All of the busyness of the world drowns out the voice of God. And we need to stop, church, and we need to let down our wings, and we need to hear from, from the Lord. Can you hear somebody whispering? In a room filled with shouting people, it's the same thing. With all the noise that's going on in our lives, we're missing the voice of God. We're not hearing from him. Why? Remember the story of Elijah? Elijah, he, he goes up on the top of the mountain and, and prays to God, and God kills over 400 priests from Baal, right? The, the prophets of Baal. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. God's, God kills all these prophets. Elijah's the one who calls down the fire of God. And then Elijah finds out that Jezebel wants to kill him, and he runs and hides in a cave. I don't get that. You kill 400 guys, one woman's not a big deal. But Elijah runs and hides in a cave. First Kings, First Kings 19 says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And listen to what Elijah says. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, remain. I'm the only one left, Lord. Nobody else is going through this. Nobody else has had to suffer like you. Does that sound familiar? Anybody else besides me been there? Well, nobody else, Lord. It's just I'm the only one. Elijah's, the, Elijah's got that story down pat. And God says to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains, broke, the re the pieces, broke to pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a whisper. 
listen, church, we need to stop. God spoke to Elijah in the whisper, and he wants to speak to us. We don't, have, we don't hear from God because we're so busy running around and flapping our wings and doing a bunch of stuff that we think is really good stuff, even for the Lord, and we miss his glory. We miss his voice. We miss him talking to us. And God's waiting for us to stop and let down your wings because he's got some stuff to say to you. He wants to talk to us. He wants to have a conversation with us. And we need to get out of the busyness of life and the busyness of the world and listen to the conversation that God wants to have. We miss out on the glory of God if you let the noise of life control you. You miss out on the glory of God if you're letting the noise of life control you and not being controlled by the word of God. And so God has something he wants to say. So stop letting all the racket of the world cause you to miss out. Stop letting all that busyness be what controls you. Wait for the voice of God. He's above and beyond all the noise. You know, he's not going to get in the middle of it. He's going to wait for you to let down your wings. The glory of God is above and beyond all creatures. He's above and beyond all the noise. How about this? The glory of God's above and beyond everything we see and know in the universe. And back in verse 22, Ezekiel says, above and beyond the heads of the living creatures was an expanse. And now we see that the glory of God's even above and beyond the expanse that he sees. It's beyond heaven. Can you imagine that you're in this place where all these creatures are, right? You got all these creatures that are magnificent creatures and, and they're, they're moving around and there's lightning flashing and there's fire like coals and all this stuff. And that doesn't even, you know, they, they, you got all the noise and sounds like rushing rivers and armies marching. That doesn't count the wheels that are full of eyes that are flying around there that rise up when the creatures rise up and set down when the creatures sit down. That's a whole other sermon. But you got all of this stuff going on. And Ezekiel says, but now above all this, there's a throne. Above all of this noise, above all of these creatures, above this expanse, there's this throne. And the throne is like sapphire. And then he sees the likeness of man. He sees this likeness of, of the, in the form of a human in verse 26. Look at this description in verse 27. From the waist up, he's like gleaming metal. Now think about the pictures you've seen of that molten steel, you know, in the, in the pots or the melted gold and how that stuff just flows and, and, it's, and it's so brilliant. From the waist up, he's like gleaming metal. And then uh, there's fire all around him, enclosed all around him. From the waist down, he's all fire. And then there's this brightness around him. I, I don't know how to describe him to you, but it, it's amazing. He's bathed in light. He's, he's indescribable. Paul says in, in 1 Timothy 6, he's, he dwells in unapproachable light. And here's this God that, that, that is uh, above all things, and he can't be captured in human language. And, he, and, and, you know, the best that we have here is his word, but we can only use words that we know to describe him. And anything we try to use to describe God's going to fall miserably short. And God's saying, look, see my glory here. There's something that, that, that these words that we already know, like gleaming metal and crystal and jasper and diamonds and sapphire and carnelian. And I don't even know what carnelian is, but I know it doesn't come close to the glory of God. It doesn't come close to who he is, this indescribable God. There's no way, there's no how, there's no words that we can use to describe him. Here's one word that we, we ought to get better at. That word is awesome. He's an awesome God. But you know what? If God is awesome, then lunch that's at home waiting on you can't be. 
You know, if God is awesome, then there's not a movie that's going to be showing in this theater over the next week that's going to be awesome. And we need to reserve that word for God. We need to talk about, we talk about awesome, we need to be talking about God. We need to be talking about his glory, not something else. And church, we got to get a better picture uh, in our mind of who God is. We need to get a picture of this God who can destroy everything with one word. He can destroy everything we know with one word because this astonishing, extraordinary, amazing, mind-blowing, staggering, remarkable God says, come to me. He invites us to come to him. He invites us to have a relationship with him. He invites us to rest in him. Now, some of you are thinking, wait a minute. This, This vision that Ezekiel has is this molten metal waist up, fire all around him, fire from the waist down. How in the world, buddy, am I going to approach this God? How in the world do I come into his presence? If I come into his presence and get in front of him, I'm toast, literally burned up because this, this is fire everywhere. Ezekiel tells us how we can come to him. Here's how I know we can come to him. Write this down. The glory of God surrounded by his grace. He is surrounded by his grace. The glory of God surrounded by his grace in verse 28. First, he's seated on his throne in verse 27, right? He's sitting down. He's not standing up. He's not looking around to see who he can zap, okay? He's not out to get you. He's sitting down. He's in complete control. He's waiting for you to come to him. He's not pacing back and forth. He's not wondering what he's going to do with you. He's just waiting. He's, he's, he's sitting down in complete confidence and control of everything. So I know that we can come to him because he's sitting there waiting. He's sitting there inviting us to come. But I also know this. Secondly, we, I know we can come to him because he's surrounded by this very symbol of this covenant promise of grace. Look at verse 28. The brightness that surrounds him is like the appearance of what, church? Yeah, a bow, a rainbow. And think about this, 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 this same symbol of promise that was given to Noah after the flood where God said, I will never again destroy all the living creatures with water uh, on the earth. Uh, and every time you see this rainbow, Noah, you remember my covenant. You remember my promise. Remember my grace. And so God gives us this symbol of grace back in, back in, in, in uh, Genesis John saw the same thing in Revelation 4. John, John says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. John sees the same vision, same thing, right? John, where, where's, where's God? He's sitting down. He's sitting on his throne. And, and he's surrounded by this rainbow, and it's emerald green in color. And, and how important is that for us, church, to, to capture this, to get this vision of the glory of God? And, and it, because, look, we can raise our vision of God, and we can make him something that we can't talk to. We can make him someone we can't approach. But, but when you think about this, he's surrounded by this symbol of his grace. Now he becomes an approachable God. This almighty God, he's seated on a throne. He's sovereign over all in heaven and earth. This God who brought judgment on the whole earth, on mankind with the flood. And he, after he poured out his wrath, he said, look, let me give you this covenant promise and let me give you a symbol to remind you every time you see it. 
You know, listen, the God we're talking about today is the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God of justice. He's the same God who will one day judge the earth. And I don't want you guys to be fooled by those people who want you to feel good when you leave church. I want you to know that that's who he is. And he's this God that, that is, is going to judge the world one day. Peter wrote about those people in 2 Peter 3. And he says, For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. This God who's enveloped by fire, this God who's a God of justice and a God of judgment is a God of grace. And he's surrounded by it. He's surrounded by his grace. And, and how amazing is this promise that God wants to extend his grace to you. God wants to give this grace to you. He wants you to know it. And look, there are some of you here this morning that haven't received that grace. You haven't, you don't, you don't, haven't understood that. You haven't seen that before now. And I want you to know that God has grace and he's extended his grace to you through his son, Jesus Christ. God said, I, I am a God of judgment, I'm a God of wrath, but I am also a God of grace, and I, and I know you can't do anything to get to me, and so I'm going to make the way, and I'm going to send my son. Not because you're so worthy, but because of my love, because it's so great, and I, because I love so greatly, I'm going to send my son so that he can take the punishment that we rightly deserve. And so Jesus Christ came to earth. He gave up all the glory of heaven. He didn't consider equality with God something that he should hold on to, but he humbled himself and he came to earth, took on the form of a slave, a bondservant, and he died on a cross to take what was rightfully ours. Grace. God's grace. You know, what's really cool is that he died on the cross and it didn't end there because they buried him and he rose again. See, there's victory over death. There's victory over suffering. There's victory over the struggles of life. And it's in God's grace. It's in his son, Jesus Christ. But we've got to elevate our view of God because he's never going to be the one that we run to. He's never going to be the one that we turn to if we don't see him in all of his glory. He's never going to be the one that we run to and, and crawl up in his arms and say, help me if, he, if we don't think he can help us. And so here's this wonderful God who is surrounded by grace. He's enveloped in fire. He's serious about his judgment, but he's equally serious about his grace and his mercy. You know, I, I know that some of you are thinking, well, okay, the rainbow thing, I get it. That, that was pretty cool. Um, but that was a long time ago. Well, we still get rainbows, right? Still means the same thing. We still are reminded of God's grace. But if the rainbow is too Old Testament for you, let me show you a couple of things that uh, we found today uh, through NASA and the, and the Hubble telescope. These are some pretty cool things that, that uh, we found. This is, uh, this is the Whirlpool Galaxy. And this is at the center of the Whirlpool Galaxy. Just a little lesson, a little history lesson. And I guess it's not history, right? Because we're making history now. Um, but the Whirlpool Galaxy is 23 million plus light years away. Any physics people here? Do the math really fast? Okay, all right. Well, here's one light year is 5 trillion 900 billion miles. And this is 23 million light years away. You do the math, it gives me a headache. 
All right? So in this whirlpool galaxy, at the center of this whirlpool galaxy is a black hole. And that's what it looks like. Now, I don't know about you. I look for stuff from God. You know? I look for him to speak to me. I expect it nowadays. You know, God, God tell me something because I'm just, I'm, I'm walking through life fat, dumb, and happy. You know, and, and so I need these kinds of things. And I, and I believe that that didn't happen a couple of hundred years ago. I believe that happened when God created the universe and he said, I'm going to put a symbol of my grace out there so that those people in 2013 who need to know that I'm real can see me. The next picture is a picture of the polar ring galaxy. The polar ring galaxy is this disk of red stars, and it's surrounded by dust and gases because God knows us. He knows that we're, we can be hard-headed people. We're going to need more than one symbol, right? You know? So there, there, there's another one. You see, I, I look at these things, and, and I marvel at them. I say, you know, here, here we are, and, uh, and uh, you know, the, a few weeks ago there was the, the was it Persed uh, meteor shower. Any of you guys stay up late and watch that? I'm reminded that I'm too old to be staying up that late to watch that stuff. But, you know, to me, it's so cool to get out there in those places and, and see these meteors streaking across the sky and the sky full of stars. And I get to sit there and say, I know him. I know the creator. And he knows every name of every star, and he knows me, and he loves me. And that's just amazing to me. And, and, it, and it causes me to want to know more about him and to understand him better. When Ezekiel saw this vision of God in his throne room, he did what I think is the only thing you can do. When you really start to see God for who he truly is, Ezekiel did what the, is the only thing we can do. At the end of verse 28, he said, And when I saw it, I fell on my face. When I saw it, I fell on my face. The same thing that we see in, in John 1.17. John says, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. In Revelation 4, the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him. In Revelation 5, the four living creatures. You remember those back in Ezekiel? Same four living creatures, along with the 24 elders, fall down and worship. And then there are myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, and they worship. And John sees this. I love Revelation 5.13. John finishes this up and he says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. I want you guys to get a different view of God. I want you guys to leave here this morning, and I pray that you do, that you leave here this morning with this understanding that God is probably greater than anything I've ever seen before. God is greater than anything that I've ever imagined about him. And the reason I want you to do this is because I've had that opportunity to wonder. Back a few years ago, as Pastor Doug was sharing with you, I'd, I, uh, I decided to summer vacation in the Middle East and Iraq. And uh, in April of 2007, a guy drove a 2,500-pound truck bomb into the police station where I was working and blew it up. Killed 13 people, including the gunner in my truck, a young guy named Brian. And uh, I had a fractured skull and 
about 200 stitches in my face and a brain injury that got me shipped home. And I got cleared by a neurologist and went back as soon as I could. I was ready to get back in the, back in the fray. And I got back over there, and about four weeks after I got back in country, a rocket attack took out the gunner that had replaced Brian. And, and Cookie, we called him Cookie, was standing in the doorway of the supply hut when the rocket landed in the courtyard and, and exploded, and he lost both his legs at the hip. And we were able to get Cookie to the hospital, and they did surgery on him. They, pulled him, they cut, brought him out of the hospital to put him on a helicopter to medevac him out. And when they rolled that stretcher out, he was about that long. And I remember standing there that day and watching that stretcher go to the helicopter, and they loaded him in the helicopter. And I prayed with the rest of the soldiers on our team. And I went back to my chew, a little 12 by 8 box that I lived in. And I sat down at my desk and I said, God, I don't get it. This is hard. And I began to cry and I said, Lord, I, I need to know something here. And I opened up his word and I began to read. And I began to read things like Ezekiel and Revelation and look at what other guys had seen when God had revealed himself to them. And you know what the message was for me that night? You want to see me? Here I am. I'm still in control. I'm still in charge. I still am sovereign even over your enemies out there. Trust me. And I turned some worship music on on my computer. And I got up, and in this little box that I lived in, I began to dance. And for about five hours, I just listened to music, and I sang. I know the guys around me thought I was crazy. And I danced, and I said, you're right, God. That's who you are. You are in control. You are a sovereign God. I do not have to fear. I do not have to wonder. I do not have to worry or be anxious because you are God, and you are glorious. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. But listen, God says, see me in all of my glory and worship. And that's what I want us to do. A few, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go see Chris Tomlin in concert. Any of you guys ever seen Chris in a concert? Oh, cool. This is going to be a lot of fun then. Um, in the middle of the concert, Louis Giglio just did a little message, and he talked about God, and he talked about God's sovereignty, and he talked about worshiping God. And, and he, he began to talk about some of the things that I've shared with you about stars and stuff. Are you guys aware that all around the world they have these antenna, these big, huge antenna that are set up where they're listening to outer space, you know, like hoping an alien will talk to them or something? I'm thinking if they turn them in the right direction, they'll hear God speak to them. But what they're picking up is these stars that I was showing you, these galaxies, they're pulsars, there's all kinds of things out there, and they emit sounds. And these antenna are picking up these sounds. And so Louis Giglio did a little thing where he was showing, you know, here's, here's some of the sounds that come in and here's what they sound like. And then he added in whales and said, you know, let's listen to the whales and the noise, the sounds that they make. And it was pretty incredible what they did with this, and I thought it was really cool especially in light of what Psalm 148 says. Turn to Psalm 148 and read this with me. Psalm 148 says, Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever, and he gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all rulers of the earth. Young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his majesty above heaven and earth. Watch this. some whales? Okay, those same whales that you just saw, undoctored and unedited, here they come. people need it really clear like what are they singing and we tried this and you just got to know this is unedited we just dropped this on and this is what happened this is what they might be singing
Pretty cool, isn't it? The stars and the creatures of the deep praising the Lord. We who have the opportunity to know him personally and see him in all of his glory, we should never be outworshipped by stars and whales. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray this morning that your glory would rain down on this place, that you would fill this room with your glory, Lord, that we would see you in all of your magnificence and all of your splendor. God, your word reminds us in Psalm 145 that on your glorious splendor, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, which should be what we're meditating on. So, God, we need to see you in your glory. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would be glorified by our worship. In Jesus' name.